Good morning, First United Methodist Church. It is great to see all of you gathered here and also to know that there are many of you worshiping with us online. If you would take a moment and register your attendance on the pew pad, if you're in person and place it in the offering plate later in the service, or if you are online, if you would leave a comment, that would be uh, helpful to us. As you came in today, I hope you picked up a weekly calendar sheet that shares with you all things First United Methodist Church. A couple of announcements to highlight. We are currently collecting items for flood buckets and tornado buckets for the mission team. You can find more information about that with the red buckets at, at the entrances of the sanctuary, and that is where you can leave your uh, material. Also, Catherine Barnes was handing out cards this morning, and you'll find more information in your newsletter about Valentine's for our children and youth. Uh, we're asking that church uh, members write a Valentine to our children and youth. Don't put, put your name on it, but just do it generally so that they can be passed out to children for the Valentine party. Now let us prepare ourselves for worship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, prepare us, cleanse us, meet us in this time of worship so that we might be renewed and equipped in your love and your grace. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
that I did not wear a dress with pockets. And this one, when you do not wear a dress with pockets, clergy woman problems, right? So um, seriously though, we have some prayer requests from our community of faith that I ask that you pray for. Uh, Jenny Cosper passed away this last week. Uh, her service was yesterday. Please keep that family in your thoughts and prayers. Also, Rodney Thompson, who many of you love very much has entered a new stage in his fight against cancer and we have a, a prayer blanket for becky and for him that's located in the prayer room and uh, if you would like to pray over that blanket for becky and for rodney um, that would be a wonderful sign of our support uh, for them in the coming weeks and days let us prepare ourselves for our time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that when we go through difficult times, times of sickness and death, times of depression and sadness, of grief and hurt and betrayal and pain, that you are with us. And not only are you with us, 
but we have mentors in the faith who guide us and lead us and a family of faith who's there to support us and pray for us. We're thankful for the community that prays and surrounds people in their time of need and surrounds us in this time of need. Empower us and equip us to be that community, not just for those we've named today, but those on our heart and those in our community, our nation, and our world. Continue to bless us, bless this church, bless the offering that we are about to receive. May it go forth to bring good news and light in this dark and hurting world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ushers, if you will come forward, we will receive the morning offering. And children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Without
This morning, we continue our sermon series, Word from the Window, with the Madonna and Christ window, which is located just off the narthex to your right as you enter the sanctuary in the courtyard entrance facing 5th Street. I've opened the door so I get to, to see the window this morning as I preach. And if you haven't been and seen the window in person, I encourage you to do so as you're leaving worship today. This particular window was inspired, or is a copy of Raphael's The Sistine Madonna. And this painting can be found in Dresden, Germany. The window was installed in 1945 as part of the first prayer room. And while the prayer room location has moved, the window did not. The window was given in memory of Alice Lois Giddens Brown, Allie Josephine Brown, Hilda Phoenix Brown, and Dr. Joseph Lucian Brown by the Brown family. Joseph Lucian Brown moved with his parents to Gadsden, Alabama when he was 12 years old. His family soon joined First Methodist Episcopal Church South, and after that came a tradition of generations of involvement in this church. In fact, we have a descendant of the Brown family worshiping with us today. Joseph's wife, Hilda Phoenix Brown, was a faithful worker for many years in the children's department. She was a circle leader and president of the Women's Society of Christian Service, a forerunner of the United Women of Faith. Allie Josephine, the two-year-old daughter of Hilda and Joseph, died when she was two years old. Thus, her face was memorialized in the window as an angel, and you can see her there today. And her name is etched on the glass as a memorial. And now you know the story behind the window, and here is the scripture that inspired the window. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, verse, uh, first chapter verses 41 through 56. Luke 1, 41 through 56. Hear the good news. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her in the Lord. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and, his, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made our ancestors to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it is joy to hear these beautiful words of Mary. And as we ponder this song in our heart, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The first thing that many people notice about this window is not Madonna and the Christ, but it is the child. And now you know the story behind the face in the window, the angel in the window. Now, some may think it's a little odd to memorialize a, a child in a window like that. But if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. The first reason it makes sense is because it's an homage to the original painting. As I said, this is just a partial. The Madonna and the child are in the, uh, in the Sistine Madonna painting by Raphael. But also in that painting, you will find two cherubs, which are modeled after actual children. And these cherubs are quite famous. If you were to Google the picture, you would instantly recognize them. Two little chubby cherubs leaning on their elbows, which have made their way into prints and greeting cards and all the such in, in the modern world. So the child in the window connects with the Sistine Madonna. But there is another layer of connection that makes sense. And that is in light of Mary's life and her story. My colleague in ministry, Reverend Dale Clem, recently did a podcast for the Pray Together initiative for the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church. And in that podcast, he reminded me of Mary's life and story. Mary was the first disciple. She was the first to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Gabriel told her this was going to be the Messiah, and she was the first to proclaim the good news. She went to her cousin Elizabeth, and in response to that good news, she sang a song of praise that we heard in our scripture reading today. We know it as the Magnificat. In this passage, she thanks God for showing favor upon her as a lowly servant and upon all the lowly in the world. Mary had a good grasp on prayer. Scripture tells us in several places that she pondered things in her heart. To me, this leads me to believe that she had a prayerful relationship with God. After Jesus' birth, she took her baby to the temple for presentation, and there she met a prophet named Simeon. And he asked to hold the baby, and he blessed Jesus with these words. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. He then hands Jesus back to his mother, 
and concludes his blessing by saying, This child is destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel to be a sign that will be opposed so the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Can you imagine being a mother receiving that baby back and a prophet looking you in the eye and saying, a sword is going to pierce your soul. Mary was strong. This was evidenced in her fleeing with her small child to Egypt when the king threatened to kill her child and was killing babies around them. She was also a frantic parent who looked for her child in a large city for three days. She could not find him. And finally, she found Jesus in the temple. She was a nudging, encouraging mother at the wedding as she pushed Jesus to partake his first miracle at the wedding at Cana of Galilee. But then Mary's sorrow comes true. She watches in horror as her son is crucified. She must have been so strong to stay at the foot of the cross. Reverend Clem imagined what it must have been like for her to be there at the foot of the cross in his podcast. He speculates, did she breathe in as he breathed in? Did she exhale as he exhaled? Did she keep her eyes fixed on him as he forgave those who tormented him and invited the thief to be with him in paradise? Did she look him in the eyes as he cried out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Having comfort in knowing that Jesus would know that his mother was there and she did not forsake him. She watched him take his last breath and she watched him be stabbed. You know, I wonder if, if the images of art known as the Pieta or the pity, such as Michelangelo's sculpture of Mary holding Jesus after his death are true. Did she see that he was gently taken down from the cross and did she hold him in sorrow as a grieving mother, helpless to help her child in his greatest time of need? In Mary, we find a sympathetic companion, one who knew grief, who mourned, she knows what it is to grieve. And as one who knew what it was to grieve, it's no wonder that Allie Josephine's family found it a fitting and honorable tribute to place her in that window with Mary. Mary knew what it was like to hold a child, to love a child, to lose a child, and to grieve a child. Of course, I didn't know Allie and her mother they were a long time before me. But you must wonder if the family took great comfort in Mary as they made their journey through grief, their pain, and the sorrow. With this perspective of Mary and the story of Allie Josephine Brown, I have a new perspective on this window of Mary. It's just not Madonna and the Christ. I've come to see it as the grief window. It is the window for those who grieves. Mary reminds us that God's people have endured difficult times before us. And when we grieve, she reminds us we are not alone. Others have experienced grief too. 
In Mary, we find a sympathetic companion. She happened to be chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. But with such great honors come great responsibility. The responsibility of love and care. And with great love comes great grief. As I was recently reminded by someone, we grieve much because we love much. Or out of our love comes great grief. This is Mary's story. In our scripture reading for today, Mary has already been visited by Gabriel. He comes to her and tells her that she will be the mother, the chosen one, the Messiah, the Son of God. And of course she questions, how can this be? And and Gabriel goes on and shares with her more. And she, in faithfulness and truth, says, let it be according to your word. She trusts God. And she goes to her cousin Elizabeth, who was believed to be barren. And they come together and celebrate. And Mary celebrates with the most beautiful song. She praises God for honoring her in her lowly estate. And she thanks God. And not only does she thank God, but she thanks God for not not only helping her, but helping the lowly, raising up the lowly, helping the oppressed. This is echoes to what we read in 1 Samuel with Hannah's song and some echoes of the psalm. It's a beautiful song that Mary sings as she celebrates being the mother of the Messiah. Protestants are wrongly tempted to believe that our Catholic brothers and sisters worship Mary. They don't worship Mary. They honor Mary. And I believe Mary is someone who deserves to be honored. She was a vessel for Jesus. She was chosen to be his mother, and she loved him and cared for him. And not only was she chosen, but she accepted the call with grace. Her response to such a startling birth announcement was, let it be according to your word. She trusted God in whatever was ahead. Her model of compassion and faithfulness provide comfort and guidance, especially as we deal with seasons of grief. Mourning is part of the human condition. We will all die, every one of us. And we will all be at the point where someone we love will die. But as Christians, we remember what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians. We do not grieve as those in the world who have no hope. For we believe Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We also believe the words from the Gospel of John when Jesus said, I am resurrection and I am life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I, the first and the last, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you shall live also. As people of faith, we trust that we will see our loved ones again. And while we trust and have hope, we also still recognize there is hurt. Unlike many of you, I've not known that depth of loss. 
I have not lost a parent, a sibling, a spouse, or child. I have lost friends in a car accident and by suicide. I've mourned the loss of dreams that I had for my life. I have mourned betrayals when people stabbed me in the back. I've had broken trust. I've mourned ideals that I had for myself, a vision for my future that I thought would come true. And if you think about it, we all mourn. We all can connect with Mary in some way. Mary is a sympathetic companion on our journey, perhaps like no other. She knew loss. She knew broken trust. She knew unmet ideal, betrayal, pain, and a future that did not turn out like she planned. And as Simeon foretold in his prophecy, she had a feeling like a sword had pierced her in the heart. We've all had those sword-piercing moments. Did Mary draw upon her strength and faith? After all, she was bold enough to say, let it be, God, according to your word. She trusted God. Did she draw upon her prayer life? She was one who pondered uh, God's words and messages and things that happened in her heart. This leads me to believe that she had a life rich with prayer. Did she gain strength from those around her? After all, as soon as she got the birth announcement, she went to Elizabeth to seek comfort in her cousin. Did she draw strength in Scripture? We hear echoes of Scripture in the Magnificat from 1 Samuel and the Psalms. These aspects of Mary's life are aspects that can help us as we grieve. And it's an example of who Mary was in faith. There's a popular song that you hear a lot around Christmas time. And I know some of you are probably singing it in your heads or have been as I was sharing this message. It's called Mary Did You Know? And, and in that, the writer of the song speculates exactly what Mary knew when Jesus was born. Did she know his story? Did she know how it was going to play out? One uh, verse of the song goes like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy would save your sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new and the child that you delivered will soon deliver you? From Scripture, we don't know. We know what Gabriel told her. We know what Simeon told her. We know that she was present during Jesus' ministry. And we know that she was a witness to his death. A lot of what is in between is just speculation. But we can know that she experienced great grief. And from that, we can find empathy and sympathy in this beautiful work of art, which is a means of grace for all of us. We can find connection with a woman who was faithful and strong, and she provides guidance and example to us. And we can find hope, just as that family of Allie Josephine Brown did many years ago. And in this window, I have come in the past few weeks as I've lived with it and been with it, keep coming back to the words of liturgy that are in our United Methodist Funeral Liturgy. And may you find these words of hope as well. May God grant us grace that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow hope, and in death 
resurrection. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I stand here today and and deliver these words, I'm so aware of those in the congregation that are hurting today, those who have, have lost recently, those who have lost children and spouses and siblings and dear friends, and on and on and on. God, I just pray that you would continue to bless us and strengthen us and give the courage to face each day with grace, your grace. And may we all in our journey find examples of hope and be a witness to the hope which sustains us and helps us and gives us strength just like it did Mary. Amen. to join the church and while Kyle has made a profession of faith he has never been baptized so he is going to be baptized this morning but in true fashion and the way this morning is going our baptism font is dry and there should be a sermon in that about how you should never let your baptism font wait for that that's going to be preached one day this next year but I invite you to chill out for a second while I run and get some water. And we're going to do a baptism, okay? And you can greet Kyle while I am uh, going to get the water. 